All right. <clears throat> this is going to be a very instructional sermon. And its purpose, one, is to arm and educate you. And then second one, when I get this online, which I'm going to try to do in a hurry, and I get it out there, I want you to be able to share it, especially this week and the next couple of weeks. Share this along with everyone, because this is a strategy here as well. Um, <clears throat> but before I say anything, let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Heavenly Father, um, please... Uh, Sustain my voice. Also, um, get me out of the way that your truths would be lifted up. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would understand and obey. Because we love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. I don't know if anybody noticed some significant things happened this week. <coughs> what? It did not snow. It was warm. It was warm. But we had the inauguration of another president. It was awesome. And then yesterday, there was a women's march. So, and social media was lit up, of course, if anyone was watching any of that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is, especially because I know a lot of you are connected online, and you see the thoughts and ideas that are coming around. But what I want to mention is when the election happened, um, a lot of the, the media started to make a list, a litany, of sins. And that they're afraid of what this new president's going to bring. And they started to finally list their sins, the sin list. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, the liberal or progressive, they have a commandment list. And it's... And when they started to say, oh no, this, he's going to become president. Now this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And I'm going to go through that list. Let's take a look at it. But they do have a moral code. Just like the Christian. Christian has a moral code. Love God, love people. It's summed up in the Ten Commandments, right? Well, they have nine commandments. I'm sure they have more. But nine is what I picked for this from what I could see. And you'll see these. Um, I want to review them quickly, and I want them to, we're going to look at them in light of the Ten Commandments and see how slippery it is, how deceitful it is. But I'm going to look at this objectively, because I want this message to get out. I want you to be able to share it with your open-minded, progressive friends. So we are going to look at this objectively. <clears throat> I'm going to start with uh, 8 and 9. Um, thou shalt not be intolerant, and thou shalt not be an Islamophobe. All right? Now, I didn't know, you know, some of these words, I didn't even know what they meant when we were looking down this Ten Commandment list, or Nine Commandment list, and you'll see that they are on your bulletin, all nine of them, with the definitions. The actual definitions, and then how it's applied to us. Islamophobe means dislike or a prejudice against Islam or Muslims, all right? especially as a political force. Now, everything in parentheses is how it's reinterpreted, all right? but everything above the parentheses, this is its true definition. And we want to be careful of that, that, you know, yeah, you could say that could be bad. You know, we don't want to dislike or have a prejudice against somebody. And, you know, that's wrong. We want to love them. And we're going to discuss what love looks like. But 
to have a fear or concern of refugees or a religious group that wants to convert you or kill you, that is reasonable. That is a reasonable discernment. All right? That is not Islamophobe. That's reality. We don't want to, uh, there are a lot of Muslims you don't have to be afraid of. Love them. Have, look for the opportunities to talk to them about truth. And there's amazing opportunities out there. But there's also large groups of them that want to convert you or kill you. And that is the fact. That's not phobia. That's factual. So we need to learn to discern the difference of the two and be able to unpack that to our friends who might label us that. Intolerance. The true definition of intolerance is unwillingness or refusal to tolerate or respect persons of a different social group, especially mem uh, members of minority group. That's redefined as, as a negative, as a sin, unwillingness to approve of sinful living. All right? There's, and we're going to unpack this in more detail, what these look like and how to respond to them. The other two is sexism and xenophobia. Uh, number six and number seven. Sexism is prejudice, stereotyping, or discriminating typically against women on the basis of sex. Nowadays, it means disapproval of gender bending. Anybody who comes in and they're confused on their gender, you must accept and approve of that, whatever confusion they have of their gender. All right? Um, I don't need to go into details there. Do I? You understand what I mean? Xenophobia, the unreasonable fear or hatred of foreigners or strangers of that which is foreign or strange. In other words, you know, uh, America is a melting pot. People would come to America legally, do the processes, become an American citizen. I, I remember my dad telling stories. In Maine, of all places, there was an English quarter a French Quarter, a Lebanese Quarter, believe it or not, and these groups, because they were first generation, didn't like each other. But the kids, they didn't care. They grew up to school together. They went, you know, and they broke that. And it didn't matter, right? That's different than disapproval of illegal entry into our country. You see the subtlety in this? The slippery slope of definition? Um, and that's xenophobia. Now we have, this is the one I had to look up, for real. Misogynist. I thought misogynist meant you like massages or something. I didn't know. But it's, dis, it's dislike or contempt or ingrained prejudice against women. Alright? Now, what it really means nowadays is you disprove of infanticide. Abortion. Because that march yesterday was for the right to murder unborn babies only. And they specifically excluded women groups who were pro-life. They were not welcome. So it wasn't unity of women. Homophobia. All right, Unreasoning fear of an antipathy toward homosexuals and homosexuality. Well, they would reinterpret that as disapproval of sodomy and all forms of sexual immorality. So if you approve of God's moral code of sexual immorality and disapprove of theirs, you're homophobic. 
All right, do you see how I'm giving you the real definition and their definition? You see how it's a subtlety? It's a, it's a slippery slope to get away from things. Um, three and two is one, a bigot. A person who is intolerant towards those holding different op opinions. And um, that's the real one, but here's what they mean, not approving of sinful living. If you don't encourage, endorse, and approve somebody's lifestyle, whatever it may be, you're a bigot. Yep. Alright? <clears throat> Number two, racist. Believes that a particular race is superior to another. Alright? Um, as opposed to what, it, this is, that's a real definition. What they mean is not giving special entitlements to groups, to any group. I'm a, diff I'm a minority, I'm a special group, give me special entitlements. Well, if I give you a special entitlement, you're not um, equal anymore, are you? I'm not treating you as an equal. Don't you want me to treat you as an equal? Alright? Really, if, if you try to do business with the government, what you need to do, it's called, I call it stacking the deck. But you need to be, if you're a business, you need to be a small business, you need to find a minority, you need to be a woman, you need to be a veteran, you need to be disabled, and you need to be in a hub zone. The more of those you can stack up, you will beat the Caucasian business owner. They'll be the last. And the government looks how many of those additional qualifications you get before you'll, you know, and you'll get the bid over the next guy. That's how it works. So. That's what they mean by racist, is um, you're not giving special attention and entitlement, so you're a racist. And the number one commandment is be your own God. Be your own God. They wouldn't say they're their own God. They're, they'd call that an insult. But if they're atheists, or God is whatever you want it to be. Those, you know, those... Um, Oh, those bumper stickers, coexist bumper stickers, mm -hmm. that's horrible idolatry. Because that person is saying, it's all good. What does, what, that Bible God, what has he got over the Quran God or the Buddha God? What, it's idolatry. You are claiming Godhood to say that I know better of which God is the right God and it's any God. Or no God at all, an atheist. Anytime you take those two positions, you take the seat of being God. And thus your Ten Commandments, or Nine Commandments, can slip away. Let's look at these truths. Let's look at God's Ten Commandments, right? We're a church. We're going to look at the Word of God now. Um, look at the first one. You shall have no other gods before me, says God. Number two, you shall make no idols. Those are connected. Alright? They go together. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, vain isn't just empty, hollow words like OMG and taking Jesus' name as a swear word. It's doing evil in the name of the Lord. And I didn't show the article, but I'll mention it. You can Google it just this week. In D.C., an abortion clinic was open, and all these ministers, there was a rabbi, and all these Christian ministers were there to bless it. Oh, dear Lord. And saying it was a holy and sacred thing. Wow. And they had an all-woman's drum corps there to bless the sacred work of the abortion clinic. That 
is number three. Wow. Breaking, doing evil in the name of the Lord. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. That's in the top ten of what God wants you to do. Here's what God doesn't want you to do. Don't murder. The difference between murder and killing is justice. Um, and some people can ask, how can you believe in capital punishment and, but don't believe in abortion? Because of justice. That's what distinguishes between murder and killing. And uh, Americans, we don't like justice. We, we like social justice. We don't like God's justice. Um, do not commit adultery. That isn't just adultery. You can't even have the definition of adultery unless you understand God's definition of what sexual behavior is in its entirety. That adultery is already assuming a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. And that's it. So anything that deviates from that is sexual immorality. Anything that deviates from that. It's built right into the definition of don't commit adultery. You shall not steal, don't lie, bear false witness, and don't covet. Don't covet is on there. That makes sense because people want a socialist society where if you get too much, you've got to give some of that to me. Coveting. Top ten, right? Yeah, now let's look at the key differences. God's morals are objective. You either lied or you didn't lie. You either stole that candy bar or you didn't steal that candy bar. Right? You can't really put it in a fuzzy zone. But progressive commandments are subjective. The definition is subject to interpretation. So if you disagree with my moral behavior, I can throw a label on you. You misogynist. What? Huh? I... I've never, a liar, sure I've been called a liar, but a mahujahuhu, right? Who uses those words? Right? They're so fluffy that if you disagree with immoral behavior, you can be labeled one of these. And literally, that's where, you know, I've seen people on the news start to make the labels. Now that this guy's going to be president, there's, there's going to be more sexism and more racism and more misogynies and more, uh, I didn't even use that word right, and more, you know, homophobia and more racial phobias. And uh, you know what? I do have a phobia. It's called cynophobia. I am afraid of sin. I'm afraid of sin in me. I'm afraid of sin in other people. I have phobia. Absolutely. Praise God for it. And I hope you do too. Alright? But, these definitions allowed them to sidestep things. So, if you say murdering babies is bad, they'll call you a, a sexist bigot thing. Whatever. You understand how it's whoop, and they slide around the truth. And that's the trickiness of it. The results of progressive morals is, here's the real... Here's where it catches you, because you know, who wants to be labeled a bigot or something? You know, if someone labels me that, I, if someone accuses me of doing something wrong, I take a step back and I'm like, did I really do that? Am I really that bad? I'm concerned. I want to be good. I want to love God and be good. And I'm concerned if something like that happens. But it's like, it's like, but you wonder, how could this be twisted? I'm standing up for righteousness and how am I being called bad? How are you being called bad? Here's what it is. 
the end of the day, a person is declared bad if you call bad, bad. Alright? A person is declared good if you call bad, good. Got it? Yep. Right? That's called tolerance. So there is still a good and a bad. A progressive has a good and a bad. They just reversed it. Make sense? You all equipped now? You're like, ah, oh, yeah. That's why I did put the nine commandments, the progressive nine commandments on your bulletin. So when you see those Facebook posts and, and you can now have interpretations of them and what they mean. But fundamentally, if it opposes God's moral code, it's good. That's the progressive nine commandments. If it opposes God's moral code, it's good. And so that's why their brains will explode if you come out and start saying what's good and bad. All right? Now, some of you work with these people. I know you do. You're out there, and these people, they're, they're excited, you know. I have family online. I see them from social media, and they're at these marching events, and they're promoting and celebrating all this God-hating evil, right? And it's like, how do I respond to this? Well, one of these is going to be this podcast, right? I'm going to say, oh, that's really nice. Hey, listen to this. Tell me what you think of it. Be open-minded and tolerant and listen to this, right? But now we're going to get into Scripture. Now it's all about the Scripture. We've looked at what the world has. Now we're going to put our feet on the bedrock of truth and discern this more clearly. Are you ready? Isaiah 5, 20-23 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. All right? To me, that was the march yesterday, the woman's march, depriving the innocent of their right. Can I just make one little comment? Sure. I don't know if you watched any of the news on that, there was actually a little girl there, a young lady, maybe eight or nine, saying, "Well, I'm here marching because Donald Trump hates women, right? And, and he's he wants to hurt women." I'm like, it just blew my mind. I mean, these were young, right? It wasn't Donald Trump. It was Hillary Clinton. Well, but I'm just saying. That's right. Now. It's hard to, you know, I don't necessarily want to mix politics with the church service, but you got to understand, nowhere, if you read all the Old Testament, we're reading about politics, we're reading about the kings and such. There's nothing disconnected. Everything, as you live for Jesus, everything comes back to Scripture. So, um, but, and now we're in Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, 
unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Now, that's a big sin list. But boy, doesn't that describe what we're seeing? One thing we want to make sure is that that doesn't describe us. As Christians, when you look through this sin list, you know, make sure that that's not you. And if there's something in there that's, oh, that, I feel like I'm one of these, then repent. <coughs> Repentance is a constant process of turning from evil to good. And um, this is the tricky thing. This is where they get their nine commandments. Having the appearance of godliness, right? Oh, love and tolerance for all, but denying its power. Avoid such people. We're going uh, to look deeply on how to work with them. When they say avoid, that doesn't mean just shun them completely and all, but you're, you better not be hanging out with them on the weekend. You, they better not be your safe crowd. They're the crowd you minister to with your guard up, but they are not the crowd you use as an excuse to let your hair down, so to speak. Progressives call this love, but God has a different idea of love. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional approval. If I love my kids, am I going to let them just wreck the house and, and not get ready for school and not make sure they have a dis I'll just let them do whatever they want. Unconditional. Is that love? No. That's the opposite of love, isn't it? That would be not loving them. If I don't intercede and share truth and guide truth, then I'm not loving them. All right? The word tolerant used to mean I disagree with you completely, but I will treat you respectfully. Nowadays, the word means you must approve of everything I do. And no, stick to the original definition of tolerance. There's a difference between tolerance and approval. <clears throat> so, by the grace of God, there go I, said an older minister. Um, these people are not enemies, but they are lost. And they're going to do what lost people do. When you have a little baby, it messes its pants. Do we go, shameful little baby? Why are you doing that, little baby? Right? Do we, do we judge the little baby for messing its pants? That's what little babies do. They mess their pants, they drool on themselves. That's what lost people do. They mess their pants and drool on themselves. Alright? With just evil. Evil vomits out of them. Because of what comes out of the heart is what sin is. And blah! And they think they're doing good when all the while they are marching in protest to God himself. Alright? We want to feel bad for them and want them to be saved because it's going to get a lot worse for them because they're going to meet their maker. Right? Design, designer, creation, creator. They're going to meet him even if they don't believe in him. They're still going to meet him. And it's going to go very bad for them. But, look at this list. I like the way this ends. So pay attention to the ending. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual or moral, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Alright? That's a warning. The house is on fire. Get out of the house. It's an objective statement. It's not subjective, and it's not judging. For you to share this with somebody is not judging them, it's loving them. Now look at this one, verse 11. But such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Alright? Jesus takes us, this big mess of sinners, and he sanctifies us. He sets us apart. This is the gospel. And he, and he justifies us. He says to you, even though you and I were one of these, he says, you're not guilty anymore. You are justified before the eyes of God the Father. Amen. That's the gospel, the good news. Washed, no more sin. Sanctified, set apart, justified, declared not guilty because of Jesus and the Spirit of our God, the Holy Spirit. Right? That's why we can go to them and say, you're going the wrong way. Stop being God's enemy. It's not going to end well for you. Right? Well, who are you to judge? I'm a guilty, horrible sinner, saved by the grace of God. That's all I can bring. But I can bring the truth, too. <coughs> See, God's in the business of redeeming sinners. God has not redeemed one righteous person. Did you know that? God only saves sinners. Right? He doesn't look for the good people and says, Oh, yeah, yeah, you, good, you did it, you did it. Come on in. He's not doing that. He's looking for the broken, the wretched, the evil, and he's saving them. Because them is me. Them is you. 1 John 5.13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Do you know it? Is that your bedrock? When you sang Amazing Grace, did you mean it? Do you know you have eternal life? You need to know that. we got a lot of work to do. You need to start there. Right? Exciting, isn't it? That's like, get the chills in that. So. To live a godly night, life, know your Bible, and be equipped. 2 Timothy 3, 12-17 Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from being bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's our goal. Some of us may not have had our sac- the sacred writings from childhood, but you're getting it now, aren't you? So that the man of God may be equipped, complete, for every good work. Yes, that is Second Timothy. Okay, a couple more big beefy slides here. I'm almost done. Did it change? Did not change. (laughs) All right. Now, the lost people, they're not enemies, but they're lost and they are dangerous. And we're commanded to love our enemies and our neighbors. Now, we're going to look at what Jesus said, and then we're going to look at what it means and what it looks like to love God, and we'll be done. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That should be a heavy verse right there. Perfect? I just got tired saying that. And Father, you want me to be perfect? Yep, as our heavenly Father is perfect. That's the call. That's sanctification, growing in maturity towards Christ. Let's unpack this a little more. What does it look like to love your neighbor and to love these folks who think the Nine Commandments is their moral foundation? Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that an interesting description Paul adds in there? When we are truly, concisely nice to people who hate God and his moral code, it blows their minds. Some of them respond nicely. Some of them explode in rage because they don't understand that. Okay? But that's what we're to do. And just to bring out that point, maybe I mentioned it. I didn't mention it here. Let's see. When you share the truth with them, yeah, there it is. Okay. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, 
Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is what love looks like. When someone says something incredibly stupid and evil and then shouts it and waves it like a rainbow banner of goodness, we need to step in and say, you have wandered from the truth. And we want to see you come to Christ so that your soul will be saved from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. That's what it looks like to love somebody. And also, think of it this way. If you need extra motivation, what's the worst thing you could do for people who are against God and rage against Him and His moral code? Pray for their salvation. Because what's going to happen if a group of these people, one of them converts to Christ and all of a sudden wants to obey God's laws instead of their immoral laws? They're going to be rejected. They're going to be cast out. If you want them to have the roughest life possible, pray that they become a Christian right in the middle of their groups. Because boom, they'll be kicked right out. What are you doing? You have no morality and goodness. Get out of here. Go with them now. Right? Doesn't it make logical sense? If you really want to get your enemies, pray for their salvation. Because their comfortable world will be destroyed. So that's an added motivation. So Jude. Jude rocks the house right now. This is where we're going to end with Jude. Um, Verse 20 through 25. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit... When you build yourself up in the holy faith, this faith isn't a magic word. This isn't an ambiguous spell. What it is is, read your Bible, know your Bible. Read your Bible, know your Bible. That's where your faith comes from. Christian's faith comes from what we know. Not from what we don't know. It comes from what we know. That's faith. And praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You know you can do that? Keep yourselves in the love of God? Of course, it's not dependent on you anyway, but to recognize, to think about, oh yeah, Jesus forgave all my sins. Eh, Today's not a bad day after all, right? Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Your heart should break what you see on your Facebook news feed. You should be sad. These are lost people in their circus of turmoil that ends in hell, right? You should feel broken for them. They're lost, and their life is going to go quickly. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy. Look at the wisdom. Here's the phobias. Here's the phobias. Show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. When you're in those groups, when you're talking to them, be very afraid. These are lost people. And they, even the garment stained by the flesh. Fear isn't a bad thing, right? We're to fear the Lord. We're supposed to respect and fear our parents, right? Now to him who is able to keep you. Who keeps you? Do you keep you? God keeps you from stumbling and to present you blameless 
blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. God presents you blameless to God's glorious presence. Jesus says, here they are, God. Blameless. You are blameless. I want that to sink in before God. Not because you didn't do something wrong, because you did, didn't you? If I could get along with everyone who said, what'd you do this week? What's the bad you did? Well, I ain't telling you nothing. Right? What did you do? Right? But before God, we're blameless. <clears throat> to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So here's your call to action. This week, I want you to learn some theology. I'm getting, getting hot under the collar for that because a lot of what we're seeing is churches from earlier generations that gave feel-good gospels, gave everything but truth, solid, deep, deep truth. So I want to challenge you. I want you to know, start knowing theology. If you go to the church website, you can click and download our church's doctrinal statement. That's a good one. Another one I encourage you to download is, um, that stands for um, London Baptist Confession of 1689. That's where our church falls mostly in. That's, if there was one, if you were to look for more historical Baptist backgrounds, that's where our church would connect more with. And then also, this week, read the book of Jude at least once. Alright? That's your call to action. What can you do to get into the Word of God more this week than last week? If I was to do a pop quiz and say, um, what, you know, uh, what is soteriology? How many of you could tell me? If I was to ask you what the measurement of one of your guns is, how many of you could tell me? The metrics are, you know, the 2.58, what's the, in the guns, right? So, hey, it's not that big of a deal, okay? We can do this. And it's on your bulletin. That's your call to action. Of course, learn this stuff. The days are coming and the challenges are more. I want you to know that God's truth is not subjective. The world is round and God's truths are true and what you're seeing the world doing is not true. They're lost. They're dying. And the, the, hate, the rage and the hate that they have. We have Christ. Hide in Christ. Alright, let's pray. Father God, may these saints be equipped with truth. May they feel comforted in truth. And uh, part of growing up as a Christian is this contention with the world. So in one sense, Father, help us to raise expectation, to, uh, to realize it's part of living, and to not let that contention drag us down. But know that it's just part of what it is to, to love you. And it's an honor and a privilege to be hiding in the right side because of you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen.